Well, like it's already been said, happy Mother's Day. I like, uh, I like that offertory. Maybe Taylor, can you stay up here? We'll do another one. Oh, no, okay. All right. Now see you. He's out. A non-offering offertory. I love it. Yes, Mother's Day. Um, so if you're new, typically what we do here at the Parks Church is we preach through books of the Bible. And we, uh, this is, you've caught us on a, a little bit of a different Sunday where we're between two series. And uh, we just finished our two-year study through the book of Acts. And uh, we'll pick up a, a new series uh, next week. Uh, but here we are on Mother's Day. So we thought we'd stop down to do something a little specific um, and geared toward moms and motherhood uh, specifically uh, because we want to honor you and we feel like that's uh, a right to do. So I get to have a uh, just kind of a pastoral moment with you in, in the scriptures. So if you have your, a Bible, uh, go to the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we'll be in two places in 2 Timothy. So, of course, I want to talk to those of you who, who are mothers, right? I want to talk to you, those who are planning on being moms. I also want to talk to those of you who have moms, all right? So that should cover the gamut, right? Got the room? Got the audience? Okay. Um, and, and, and I understand while this day conjures up uh, warm feelings for many, I know there'll be a lot of texts sent and probably have been and phone calls made and FaceTimes or maybe you're going to have brunch or whatever your tradition is. Uh, For others, I want to acknowledge that it doesn't conjure up such warm feelings and that today uh, is a hard day for some of you. Uh, Particularly, maybe you're waiting on motherhood for for one reason or another or uh, I know because of walking closely with some of you, this is a hard mother day because you've experienced the loss of a child, even over the last year, or maybe it's a reminder of that loss. Or maybe you're reminded of the mom uh, you, you didn't have. Uh, or, or maybe the one that you did have, um, celebration isn't the word that comes to mind uh, to you. And so for some, I know this day is harder to bear than for others. And I want to acknowledge that. I want to submit that, that I understand that. But my prayer is the same. My prayer is that God would use today in the scriptures to minister to you and to your heart specifically uh, right where you are. Because hear me, the the, the role of motherhood, the the burden and the labor of mothering, we should celebrate. Right, church? We should honor. And I'll take your non-talking back as just affirming with overwhelming response, okay? (laughs) It's a gift from God, motherhood. Uh, We're told, thank you, we're told in Exodus, right, in the Big Ten, to honor fathers and mothers. And that's not just a verse to children. That's, I believe that's that's number five, right, on the list of ten, to honor mothers. And that's for all of us. That's in moments especially like this. And so I want to honor you today from the Word of God, and I want to follow kind of Paul's lead. Paul is an author, he's Apostle Paul, and he wrote a lot of our New Testament um, his letters kind of follow this, this uh, form or this uh, agenda, if you will, a charge, a warning, and an encouragement. And so I want to do that in honoring moms today from the Word of God, a charge, a warning, and an encouragement. If you like outlines, you can already preset that one and then fill it in, all right? And so first, uh, a charge. Um, this is the charge. Moms, you have more influence than you can ever imagine. And many of you know that but many of you underestimate that. And the charge is this, leverage that influence for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So plain and simple, the charge today from the word of God before us is this, leverage the influence you have, mothers and grandmothers, 
that you have with the lives entrusted to you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, we have a very clear example of this, and that's why I had you turn to the book of 2 Timothy in the pages of Scripture. You see, Timothy um, was a guy who was the disciple or apprentice of the Apostle Paul. Timothy, his name is carried on two of our New Testament books, 1 Timothy and then obviously the one you're at in 2 Timothy. But what the inspired word of God does is it gives us a little insight into this man. A man who became an excellent leader in the church. He was a church planter. He was a church starter. He was a, he was a disciple of Jesus for really the majority of his life. But where did that start? And that's why I want you to peer in here to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And this is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, As I remember your tears, Timothy, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. So that tells you something about Paul and Timothy's relationship. Paul knows who he's talking to here. He loves him. In verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that, first, that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. So 2 Timothy, Paul brings out Timothy's family history, right? And here's what I love about the word of God. There is nothing accidental in the pages of scripture. All scripture we believe, in fact, it's included in this same book, are God-breathed, breathed out for God, that are profitable for us in every season, in every place that we find ourselves, including the fact that Paul would include in this book of 2 Timothy, that Timothy's family history in his faith was passed down from his grandmother to his mother Eunice, and then to him. You say, well, what, is there anything mentioned about Timothy's father? Well, there, there in fact is. Timothy's father, we know, is a Greek and a non-believer. And so the women here in Timothy's life are the ones who use their influence to show and shape Timothy toward the gospel of Jesus Christ. To show and shape him toward the gospel that would eventually lead to churches being planted and other disciples being made, particularly throughout Asia Minor. There is little doubt about Timothy loving Jesus. Where did it start? Moms? Grandmoms? It started with Lois and Eunice in their hearts first overflowing to Timothy. But how? How did they show that? How did they shape Timothy from a very early age? Well, 2 Timothy tells us that as well. So if you're in the same book, flip a page over probably for most of you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it's in verses 14 and 15. Look at this. It says, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Leave that up on the screen, Denise. Did you get that? So at the very beginning, Paul says, listen, Timothy, I know where your faith was rooted. I know where it flowed from. It flowed from the two prominent women in your life, your grandma Lois and, and your mother Eunice. And it doesn't just end there, but he goes on to elaborate how and what those women poured into him, right? From whom you have learned it. Paul's not talking about himself solely. Yeah, Paul discipled Timothy. Paul poured into Timothy. But where did it begin? Far before Paul ever knew Timothy. It starts with those two women. His grandmother and his mother doing what? Teaching him the sacred writings. Timothy, here's what we want you to know. 
Here's how we want you to see Jesus. Here's how, how we want you to know about the prophesied Messiah, the one that the Old Testament talks about, the one that the Torah points to, points to. It's Jesus, it's Jesus. These two women poured into Timothy the gospel. And guess what? That word planted over and over and over in Timothy by Eunice and Lois, guess what? It gave way. It gave way to salvation in faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul just says here. And not just salvation, but also wisdom from the scriptures. I, I took a, a little poll in the, uh, in the first service. So I'm going to take the same poll here. Um, how many of you, you can trace back the first steps you made toward Christ or the first seeds planted in your life toward Christ were by a mom or by a grandmother? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, that, that whole, remember, remember the first charge about influence? Yeah, look around. Very similar in the first service, about 80% of the hands were lifted. And listen, my hand's lifted too, not just telling you to lift your hand, but because that was true for me, right? It's not just true for Timothy, but it's true for so many of us, right? Um, I, I don't remember a lot about, from my childhood, and probably some psychologists could tell me why I don't remember that. But one of the vivid, the most vivid memories I have as a child, and I think it's just a gift of grace by God, was me as a young child walking into uh, my mother's bedroom. And they had a massive green velvet wingback chair in the corner, right? And some of you are laughing because your mom had the same chair, right? It's like everybody had those in the early 90s, right? Um, and my mom, me asking my mom about Jesus, me talking to her about Christ, and her kneeling with me at that green velvet wingback chair and leading me to faith in Jesus Christ, modeling and expressing the gospel to me and now leading me to faith in Jesus Christ. And I can stand here some 32 years later after my mom leading me to faith and say in all sincerity and all honesty that there has not been a day in my life where I have not known the grace and mercy and saving power of Jesus Christ. But it started with the faithfulness of my mom. The faithfulness of my mom who came to faith later in her life, right? Before having kids. Faithfulness of my mom, not just to, to lead me, her son, to the Lord, but also my sister and also my mom's mother. So my grandma from my mom. And her brother, my, uh, my uncle, and her aunt, right from the faithful, those seeds planted by my mom, now stretching out for generations. Influence? <laughs> yeah, you bet. Powerful. Massive ripples that run out from here. Can a mother influence their kids and their spouses for the gospel? You better believe it. I'm standing here as a testimony. Timothy stands there as a testimony that Paul points out of his grandmother and his mother's faithfulness. Now, I want to stop here for, for just a minute. And I know when I say that um, about influence, there are some of you who go, uh, I, I've missed it. Like, I, I've blown it. I've missed out. I've, I went without influencing my kids toward the gospel. And maybe there's a little remorse there. Maybe you say, hey, I didn't come into a saving knowledge until later, until my kids were gone or, 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 or whatever. Like, what, what do I do now? What, 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 do I, what do I say to my kids who are grown and older, who, who aren't under the, the roof anymore? What do I say to them? The truth. 
the truth, the gospel, that Jesus has changed you, that he saved you, that he is transforming your life. Hear me. Jesus doesn't just save seven-year-olds. Jesus saves 37-year-olds, praise God, and 57-year-olds, and 67, and 87, and 97. And when Jesus intersects with your life, at whatever point he chooses to do that, it is just as miraculous, and it changes everything. Your life changes. So what do you say? You talk about the change of Jesus in your life. I think one of the most powerful ways our children, young or old, see the power of the gospel is by seeing the power of the gospel, not just for a moment of salvation, but that same gospel changing me and my life, you and your life right here and right now. And like kids, we as parents, mothers and fathers have sins to repent of and change that needs to be worked out by the Holy Spirit. The best gospel witness for Jesus is not a perfect mom. And not only a mom who knows she's not perfect, but a mom who trusts every day in the one who has come to be perfect for her, Jesus. And then the power comes when your kids watch you walk in that grace every single day in every single moment. I want to read this quote to you. I found it helpful. Maybe you will as well. It says, the impact on your children, and I would say young or old, for the gospel is going to be far more powerful in how you lean into the gospel in your failures rather than how you lean into yourself in your successes. Let me say that again. The impact on your children for the gospel is going to be far more powerful in how you lean into the gospel in your failures rather than how you lean into yourself in your successes. I've shared this with you before. I uh, my parents got a lot of things right. My mom got a lot of things um, very right. Um, and she walks with Jesus. Uh, but the things that stick out to me in my mind are when they got it wrong and then came to me in humility after repenting before the Father, right? The heavenly Father. You see, when, when you blow it, and it will happen, we all will, and you lean into Jesus, what happens next in repentance, that's influence, that's leading them to the proper source. See, our kids don't need perfect parents. They actually don't exist. I don't care what online tells you. They need imperfect people following wholeheartedly after a perfect Jesus. We lead our kids best by being the lead repenter in our homes. And you can be the first one to confess your inadequacy in your lives when they're lived incongruous with the heart of Jesus and word of God. That's influence. That's not putting up some facade. You say, Kyle, are, are you tiptoeing into the warning? Well, a little bit. But here, here's, here's the warning um, I felt convicted toward giving or laying before you this morning. Um, far too many of you moms are living under the crushing burden of perfectionism. And even, even as uh, I've sat through it now twice with the prayer from... Um, Cassie and, and her mom in that line on perfectionism, Lord, free us, deliver us. I, I, I just like felt even in the car, like, yes, Lord, I, I want freedom from that. That there is an overwhelming sense of guilt that is carried by moms. And I want to acknowledge that. I mean, th there's something, this is, this is humorous, so you can laugh. Um, Tessa showed me uh, called mom guilt bingo, right? Like there's a term, mom guilt, right? And now there's like these bingo cards, like, Put your shell on all the different things, right? With the center free space, not saying free, it just says yelled, 
okay? Like, that's what the card, because <laughs> you're like, yeah, okay, we just go ahead and put the shell there, okay? Um, but it's real. We can laugh, we have, but, but it's real. Like, the burden, the weight of these things. And I would say that there's a, a multiplier on you in this generation, in this day. I've talked even with uh, my mother-in-law and, and my mom about this, and uh, the idea of social media. And this thing ever being before our eyes to compare these curated pictures in these lives. That even in those pictures, right? Like even when they're like, I'm just having a terrible day and things are such a mess and I'm going to capture it. And you peer and you're like, even your mess is awesome, right? <laughs> even your mess, I am, I, I'm, I'm jealous of your mess. Like I want to be in that mess, right? Not my own mess. And we just compare and contrast and it just heaps on more guilt. And I wish my life looked like that. And what's set before you by culture is an impossibly broad definition of what a mother is in our day. You see, there is nothing wrong with having models of motherhood. In fact, it's really important that you have what models of motherhood look like. But what I'm afraid of and what has become dangerous is that these models have become idols. And what's dangerous when our models become idols is this, is we believe and start to say or think quietly, if I just... If I just had a little bit more time, if I had just a little bit more money or whatever it may be, if I just had better behaved kids, if I, if I, if I just knew what a starter for sourdough bread was, then I would be it, right? Like all these things. And I want to give you a good test on whether a model of motherhood has become an idol. You see, are you encouraged to be around and be before the things that are modeling you in motherhood? Are you encouraged when you're around them? Are you, are you particular? Are you spurred on toward the gospel, right? Toward Christ? Or do you find yourself before them despairing because you're not like them? That's a good test. You see, models should encourage us toward something. Idols, here's what they do. They crush us because we're not performing like them. So do you have models of motherhood or idols of motherhood? And here's where I want to stop and I want to talk about the church for just a second. This is when the church is at its most beautiful place, where the church is operating as a multi-generational body. Where the older are pouring into the younger and the younger are pouring into the older and the middle are pouring into both, right? All right. And so you're like, I'm in the middle, right? You got more work to do. Okay, let's be honest. Like that is what makes the church beautiful. And I want to tell you, I am so thankful for this faith family. This faith family that is multi-generational, right? And, and sometimes I'll, I'll hear it often like, man, that church is so young and we are a young church, but don't be deceived simply by the stage, right? When you look around, this is a very multi-generational body. And we have, and like we had up here with, uh, with Cassie and her mother, we have some that three, several families that are three generations deep in this faith family, which is amazing. We have one family, Audrey's family, that's four generations deep, Right? With Mammy holding down the ship, okay? I don't even know her name. Everybody calls her Mammy. That's what we're all going to call her, Mammy, okay? Her name is Mammy, all right? Four generations here. But it's not just about familial generations. It's about all the generations here represented, all of the different stages interacting and loving and serving, reminding us of the gospel, pressing in the gospel to our hearts, right? Not toward despair, right? Giving us good models and godly models, yes, but pushing us toward the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
reminding us that it's so easy for motherhood to become an idol, right? You see, it's not just about pointing your kids in influence to Jesus. It's not just about pointing your home to influence in Jesus and pointing to Jesus. It's also about pointing your own heart to Jesus as well. And that's the crux of this warning. You've got to point your heart to Jesus Christ. And that is a community project. We need multi-generations in our lives. You as mom need multi-generations in your life pointing your heart to Jesus Christ. If you ask my mom to give you the top five influences in my life around gospel formation, three of them are going to be women. My mom, my wife, and the third is a woman named Barbara Brandis. Barbara Brandis was my third and fourth grade Sunday school teacher at our church in Jefferson City, Missouri. She served in that capacity, I think, 20-plus years. And I was one of her snot-nosed kids who she probably wondered what is going on with him, that she poured the gospel into me and pressed it in, right, like Lois and Eunice. But the unique thing also about Barbara Brandis is, one, that she was also my literal neighbor, and she was single. She was a single woman. And my mom would also tell you that it wasn't just an influence of the gospel grace to her son and to her kids, but Barbara pouring in to my mom in all the different seasons and all the different ways that she pressed the gospel into my mother. We need that church. We need that. And yes, I'm getting over to the last point, right, of encouragement. You see, the idols of motherhood tell you to measure your worth by your kids, And when your kids don't perform like you want them to, it won't just be tough. It'll be crushing. Because you've allowed the idol of motherhood to tell you that your identity is found and bound to the behavior and performance of your kids. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, mom, you have a deeper identity. And it's rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you by reminding you and me of what the gospel is. That Jesus has performed perfectly on your behalf. And you are received and accepted by God. And in Christ you are fully accepted and approved by him. You're mothering. You as a wife. You as a daughter. Because of Christ you are approved by God. If you've walked with me for any amount of time, I was reminded by a guy who I've walked with for uh, 12 years. I ask you to press this into your mind and your soul. Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 1. Many of you know that verse. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. How much condemnation? How much guilt? How much time? Yeah, you get the participation now. We're getting warmed up, right? I've only got another 45 minutes, all right? We'll get there. None. My kids just go, no, Dad. (laughs) All right, I'll listen to you guys, all right? No condemnation. No shame. No guilt for those who are in Christ. Mom, did you get that? that? Let that replay in our minds. And listen, I don't think we will ever know the fullness of what that verse actually means. I don't think we will. But let's give it a try. What that verse is saying is this, that God treats you like you always did the right thing. Mom, 
Like you always did the right thing. Like you always made the right call. Like you always made the right choice. Like you always made the right decision in this life. Even though we know when we give testimony that we haven't. And it's that grace that is given to us because of Jesus' performance at the cross and the empty tomb that punctuated it. And so you and I, we are justified. Hear me. Let this wash over you. We are justified by the perfect obedience of the only perfect child, Jesus, to the only perfect parent, God the Father, on our behalf. That's what he's saying in Romans 8.1. And so if you focus on the foundational identity of Jesus, it will give life to your vocational identity as a mom. You hear me? If you will focus on the foundational identity of Jesus, it will give life and not guilt and not shame and not all the other things culture and this world wants to heap on it. It will give life to your vocational identity as a mom. You see, pointing yourself and your heart to Jesus and seeing others doing that in your life frees you and me from the burdens and pressures this world puts on you. Mom, this world puts so many pressures on you to have everything and nothing simultaneously all figured out, right? And knowing the grace of Jesus frees you to love your kids and your spouses in their successes, but maybe more often than not in their failings, because it's the same grace that has met you right at that same place. So that we'll have a lot of Loises and Eunices the faithfulness of their lives pouring into others. I'm so thankful for that testimony here in our church, evident and graced so well in so many of your lives, so many mothers and grandmothers, single ladies who've spoken truth year after year, who've pressed the gospel into our hearts. I'm thankful for you. We celebrate you. We honor you this Mother's Day. So let me pray for us. God, we do just pause in your great grace and revel how kind you have been to us in Jesus. God, I I know there are hearts in this room of mothers and women and grandmothers who they're just today maybe uniquely feeling a heaviness and maybe even despair that no one knows about. God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would encourage, you would, you would move in strength and peace in their lives. God, that there would be a comprehension intellectually and with our hearts and with our feet of the gospel, particularly in how we parent our kids, how we love our children, how we how we find ourselves in our roles as mothers and fathers. God, that it would be set on the sure foundation of Jesus, not on our performance, not on our doing. God, forgive us for elevating models above the substance of the gospel, for moving models into places of idolatry where we think we'll find sufficiency in those ways of doing it. God, I thank you for your spirit that is alive in us, shaping us, convicting us, moving us, calling us towards certain things and away from others. God, let us be quick 
to hear his voice. Let us be slow to adopt the things around us that seem so enticing. God, I thank you for the beauty of this faith family. Now, God, I pray that we would do even a better job of pursuing one another well, the older and the younger and everyone in between. Create a tight-knit unity of people who want to pursue Jesus above all else. Quick to forgive, quick to love, quick to point to the gospel and its power. Lord, again, I thank you for the beauty of this faith family. May you continue to grow her deeper and deeper by the grace of Jesus Christ. I pray as we go from here, celebrating our moms and mothers, those inside our house, outside our house, those who have impacted us, those women who have impacted us profoundly toward the gospel, that we honor them. Father, I love you. I thank you for the good gifts that you give, mothers being a chief one of them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.